welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I've titled my message this morning, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. Now, most of you know the story about Peter and Jesus walking on the water. And what an awesome time to preach this message as you come back to church and discover <laughs> that we were incredibly flooded out during the storms. Hard couple of weeks for me, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of conflict around me, stress, tough decisions, changes that needed to be made but I didn't want to make. And it rendered me virtually useless. And don't get me wrong, you could still go to work, you could still do your chores, pay the bills, all the important things in life. But when it came to real progress... I was stuck. Right in the middle of a teaching about grief and loss, I was listening to, I heard the preacher say, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Now, it really stuck with me because in the context of what she was saying, it didn't make any sense. And over the next few days, it kept going around in my head, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And eventually I said, okay, Holy Spirit... This is what we're working on. So I'm going to walk you through the journey of discovery that I've been on and um, maybe this can apply to you in your lives as well. If not, you can just see a little snapshot into the window of my chaotic mind. So whenever I feel uncertain about things, I always hear that voice in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That means that we really don't need to know all the answers all the what-ifs, the what-next, the how-comes, in order to do the things that we are called to do. That verse tells me that despite all of the uncertainty around me, it is possible for me to have faith, and it is possible for me to get out of the boat. I just actually have to physically do it. So it's not a huge leap to think that walking on water is a perfect example of living by faith. Even though we all know it never should be, I'm big enough and ugly enough to admit that there are times that my faith has been really shaken. I was 17 years in the wilderness away from God. We've not gone back there, though. I don't recommend it. Zero out of ten. I've been too scared, too overwhelmed, too heartbroken. I've overthought the goodness gracious out of a situation until you can't do anything. And you might have been there, too, at some point. You can have all the faith in the world... But if you don't actually get out of the boat, you never use your faith and you never get used to your full potential. Stepping out of the boat is just the first step. It's that starting action that we take with our faith. It's that decision that we make that we says that no matter what the cost, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's that choice that we make to believe that says that even though I wasn't there all those years ago, I know I know that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. And because of that, my sins are forgiven. He paid the price for every single one of my sins. And it means that I get to live in freedom as a much-loved child of God. And that's for each and every one of you as well. Hebrews 11 goes on in verse 6 to say that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him earnestly. 
not sure about you, but I want to please God. And when I get into heaven, oh my goodness, to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant, would just be the ultimate. Like that is what, if I'm going to strive for something, I'm striving to hear that from my Jesus. Well, I thought, so much going on in my life at the moment. We're going to dig into this. We're going to know more about this walking on water, living by faith business. And what better logical place to start than in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 32. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn that for me. But here's one I prepared earlier. Just in case. So a little bit of context. We're picking up right after Jesus has just finished the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two yucky fishies. Gross. And it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said. Peter replied, Tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Faith in action. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So what does walking on water and living by faith look like for different people in the Bible, I wondered. Well, for Peter, it actually looks like getting out of the boat, literally. There are so many great examples of people of faith in the Old Testament. Big characters like Noah, who built the ark years before the floods came. Abraham, who left everything he knew and went to a different place with no idea of what was going to happen next. Or Moses, who went to the Pharaoh and told him to let the Israelites go from slavery. But I wanted to know more about the people who didn't necessarily get all of the attention ordinary people like you and I. So I went to one of my favourite chapters of the Bible and had a little look-see. There were so many of them to choose from, but today I want to talk to you about just a couple of them. People that made a choice to walk by faith and be obedient and do things that all joined together played a crucial part in spreading the good news throughout the cities and the nations, even though their part might have only been this big. We're going to go to Acts chapter 6. So context time, this is after Jesus ascended into heaven. Things are getting really busy for the disciples. They've appointed seven men to care for things like feeding the widows so that they can concentrate on ministry and prayer of the, and ministry of the word. So the guy we're about to meet, Stephen, is one of those seven and he's described as being a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. That's something I want to put on my resume, man. Not a, not a man. It says that, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue and the freedmen, as it was called, 
Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. It's a bit bit special, a bit of a description there. So Stephen then is asked to defend himself. But instead he goes on a massive rant and schools these people. You really need to read it. There's not time, unfortunately. I had to edit it out. But it's incredible. And these guys, they really didn't like it because it doesn't end well for poor Stephen, which we're about to find out next. Okay, spoiler alert. But even in that, there is an incredible story of great faith in adversity. When things go wrong, when we're in horrible situations, we can still live that life of faith. So we're going now to Acts chapter 7, verses 54 to 60. It says, When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, that's Stephen telling them all off and putting them back in their spot, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. So what can we learn from Stephen? What we actually learn from Stephen is even in adversity, when things go wrong, you can still have great faith. Even when your PowerPoint presentation is missing a slide and you checked it three times this morning alone... You can still have great faith and you can still do awesome things for Jesus. Next point, there's always going to be haters. So from Stephen we learn that walking on water, it won't always work out well for you, but it's still worthwhile. And it's still possible, even in possible situations, to have great faith. And it doesn't mean that there won't be haters who try to trip you up. Speaking of haters, you'll notice at the back of the bit where I didn't read, It says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. We all know it's a sleep that he's not waking up from, right? And Saul was there giving approval to his death. So speaking of haters, that man right there, Saul, who's not going to be our focus of today, but he is in there because he's an important character in the Bible, As Saul, he's a really, really, really bad guy, but shortly he's about to convert and become a Christian and become Paul. We've all heard of Paul's great exports. After this, Saul goes on a massive rant, going through churches, destroying them, tearing them apart, grabbing men and women and throwing them in prison and persecuting the goodness gracious out of the early church this is while he's still Saul now with him on the loose 
You'd have to be pretty faith-filled to still be preaching the good news, all right? So let's check out Philip in Samaria. It says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So what can we learn from Philip? We learn that when you walk on water, battles are won for the kingdom. Miracles can happen and great joy is released. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9 now. And we're reading, we read about Saul's conversion to Christianity, if you go through and read that on your own. But basically he's on the road to Damascus. He's on his way to go persecute some more Christians, beat him up and chuck him in jail. God stops him in his track and he's blinded by the glory of God and he's left unable to see. So his mates who are with him take him into Damascus and for three days Saul doesn't eat or drink. And that's where we meet Ananias. And it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, "Um, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Enter the faith war. Next click. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument, and to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings to all the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So what can we learn from Ananias? Sometimes all you need is a snack to feel better. I don't think that's it. I think we learn from Ananias that walking on water won't always make sense And it may even seem completely illogical and unheard of. That it can seem a little risky at times. And that walking on water is definitely easy when we pray. So Saul's had his big conversion. He's been baptised. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes off and he starts preaching the gospel. But the Jews are planning to kill him. So his mates sneak him out in the middle of the night and he goes to Jerusalem and he wants to catch up with the disciples there, but they're having none of it. They've heard about this Paul Saul guy and they don't believe that he's a Christian. And then along comes Barnabas. We're going to Acts chapter 9, verses 27 to 31. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. 
So Saul stayed with them and he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews. Now, Hellenistic Jews, they're not Jews that are going to hell. They're Jews that have taken on the Grecian culture and the language and all that sort of stuff. But they tried to kill him. Now, that's a bit of a recurring theme. You kind of think at this point that maybe Saul was a bit of a bad dude. There's two lots of people out to kill him. So when the the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. And then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria was strengthened and living sorry, I beg your pardon, was enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So what can we learn from Barnabas? From Barnabas, we learn that walking on water can simply be speaking the truth or standing up for someone who's doing that. I just think it's incredible. We've got Four ordinary people there, a very brief snapshot. Some of them only get four verses to their name. But what an incredible illustration of somebody doing something small that plays a piece in a much bigger picture. Incredible lessons of their faith for all of us. Here in the Bible, in the early church, this crucial moment, we see these guys stepping out of their boats and walking on water. Regular people doing all awesome things just because of their faith. Acting out of their faith and doing what the Lord tells them to, preaching, teaching, laying hands on people, healing them, casting out unclean spirits, declaring the truth. And we see the results in every single one of those verses that we've shared. The bottom line is they spoke, they enjoyed peace, they were strengthened, they increased in numbers. It's there every single time you see it. When they act in their faith, when they step out of the boat, good things happen for the kingdom. So by now there should be no doubt in your mind that it's an awesome thing to step out of your boat. So how do we do this? We're going to go back to Matthew 14 because there's a perfect illustration there and everything that we need, Jesus has very cleverly put into this little passage here. So starting at verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. So Peter was already doing the last thing that Jesus had told him to do before he walked on the water. He was positioned and he was ready. So if you want to walk on water, you've got to be ready. 23, after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Jesus prayed, and we should too. You want to walk on water? You've got to pray. Verse 24. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Conditions were tough. Everything wasn't perfectly organised, and it wasn't perfectly aligned. So if you want to walk on water, stop expecting perfect conditions. You know I'm preaching it myself right now when I'm seeing this one. Stop expecting perfect conditions. Verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So Jesus did it first. We need to do what Jesus does. So if you want to walk on water, just copy Jesus. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. You need to have some kind of a vision. It doesn't always have to make sense. So if you want to walk on water, you have to remember things aren't always as they appear. That didn't click, did it? 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. So loosely translated, the Greek for that take courage, don't be afraid means take courage, don't be afraid. I'm going to wear that on my badge, man. (laughs) Number 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come out to you on the water. Seek confirmation. It's good to make sure that it's Jesus you're chasing after. So if you want to walk on water, make sure it's Jesus that you're chasing after. 29. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. You've got to be obedient. You've got to do what Jesus tells you. So if you want to walk on the water, be obedient. 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not the storm. But if it isn't going too well, don't be afraid to call out for Jesus to save you. So if you want to walk on water, you've got to stop looking at the storms. And if all else fails, ask Jesus for help. 31. It says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Don't try and do it under your own strength. Stop doubting God's ability to use you. Have faith and trust that Jesus will get you through it. So if you want to walk on water, trust Jesus, not yourself. And 32, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. If you want to walk on water, you've got to stay with Jesus and go where he goes. So not everybody's boat is the same make and model. And while some people's waters are nice and calm with crystal clear water that you can see through to the bottom, sometimes there's a bunch of us over here that feel like we're bailing water out of our boat as fast as we can because the waves as big as houses are crashing down on us and the wind is blowing a gale. And some of you are experts on living by faith and you jump out of your boat at the first opportunity and run towards Jesus across the water. And there's some of us that, you know, may have never left the boat before, may have really never taken that big step of faith. It might be the first time that you've jumped out of your boat and just said, Jesus, catch me. Some of us are Olympic-level swimmers because we've tried walking on water that many times and we just keep going down. (laughs) But no matter where you're at with your faith walk, imagine what would happen if we all leveled up. Just one more level each. Just one little step of faith. We've just read about what happened when these four guys in the Bible did that. People listened. People got healed. The good news about Jesus spread and there was great joy in the cities. Twelve points. Twelve pieces of advice. 
12 recommendations, 12 examples, 12 instructions, whatever you want to call them. Here are 12 things that can help us begin to actually get out of our boats and start walking on water the way that we were called to. The same way that Jesus called Peter out of the boat, I believe that he's calling you today to come walk on the water. Today, I'm making that commitment to step out of the boat, to step out in faith, to trust Jesus that no matter how big or small that thing that Jesus has asked me to do, that he's going to be there with all of these things to get me through it. Now, your step might be something small, might be something big, it might be any new job, anything. doesn't matter what it is. This big or this big. Jesus wants you to step out of the boat. It's beautiful. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that you've been there right throughout history. In every single moment of the Bible, in every single moment when there's been a, a, um, a crisis or a catastrophe, Lord, that you are there to save people. Lord, that you've been there to save us. Lord, we just commit to you today that we are going to step out of the boat, that we are going to step out in faith, that we are trusting in you to catch us. Lord, we hear that call of you calling our name to step out of the boat. Lord, we're going to trust. We're going to move forward. We're not going to get bogged down. We're not going to focus on the storm, Lord God. We're going to focus on you. We choose to make you the focus of every single piece of our attention, Lord. Eli prayed this morning that we would stand here and that every distraction, every single thing would fall away. There would be nothing but Jesus and us standing here in the church. And that's the cry of my heart. That is the prayer for you, for everywhere you go, that any time you're faced with any adversity, any time that storm starts blowing, that you would just stand still and there would just be you and Jesus in that room. And that you would be filled with every single piece of faith, every single piece of courage, every single piece of encouragement that you need just to step towards Jesus. He is right there. He is right there. You could just reach out and touch him and he's calling to you. You know the things that he's placed on your heart. You know the things that are going on in your life. You know the circumstances and you know that step that needs to be taken. And Jesus just wants to speak to you today, I believe, and tell you just step out. Come to me. Get out of the boat. Let's go. We've got things to do. Thank you, Lord, for the ordinary people, Lord Jesus, that make a huge difference, Lord God. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.